We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. We were here yesterday. We're here today. Uh, AFA at the Core. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today on the show. I'm sorry. I was a little distracted. I was too busy reading my haters, uh, their comments on the internet that Bobby brought my attention to. Um, so I, I write a I write a local column for our local newspaper called the uh, the paper's called the North Mississippi Daily Journal. So I write a column about every six weeks that runs in our local paper, and I, I usually get uh, uh, the the I usually get the detractors. I, I'm not going to call them haters because that's what they call us unfairly. Um, I usually get the detractors, the people who just don't like my worldview. They don't like the way I think. Uh, so they let it be known. They let it be known in the comment section. <laughs> of our local newspaper website. So they go online and they do the little blurbs and comments about how dumb Wildman is. Um, But you know who else they did this to? Um, They did it to my grandfather, Don Wildman. So you know how much I care about this much. And if I better watch that, they'll start saying I'm a white supremacist. Uh, This is how much I care. About 0% um, is how much I care about what the detractors say. Um... And, you know, we need to also care about what does the body of Christ say? What does God's Word say? How about that? Um, That's a life lesson. What does God's Word say? Um, That's really what I care about. So our verse of the day, verse of the week, is out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about this, this segment. By the way, we are um, live streaming the audio on our website, AFR.net. AFR.net, we are also live streaming the audio on our app, the American Family Radio app. So you can go there and listen to the audio. And then, uh, lastly, we're on Facebook. We are still on the Zuckerberg Facebook. We are live streaming the video there. So if you want to watch the show live, you can go to our Facebook page. Just go to AFA at the Core Facebook page. Uh, AFA Streaming is up and running, by the way. I just talked to our IT director about five minutes ago. and Well, not five minutes ago. I was in here five minutes ago. Uh, about ten minutes ago, I talked to our IT director, Tony Vitagliano, and he said we have... Uh, 5,500 subscribers, 5,500 users on the AFA streaming platform. So that number continues to go up. Streaming.afa.net is the URL. Streaming.afa.net is the URL. On this column um, uh, in my local newspaper that I wrote, and this will also be posted on our blog site, hopefully this week at afa.net, so we'll share it there as well. But... um, the, 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 the subject line or the title for my column is this, 
climate change is an ever-moving target that no one can hit. And I start off talking about this Glasgow, Glasgow climate conference and how uh, the all the people, all the uh, special people who gathered for this climate conference, they f- used over 400 private jets to get to this conference that I believe is in the UK. So they, they, they fly 500, I'm sorry, 400 private jets emitting airline diesel or airline fuel. Uh, Bobby, what kind of fuel? I know there's jet fuel, but is that like a form of diesel or is it an entirely different yeah, fuel? It's a of- form of kerosene, actually. Gotcha. Um, Fighters use JP-8 typically, and I think aviation is JP-4, JP-6, something along those lines. So not, it's jet fuel is what you not, call yeah, it. Yeah, it's not quite as powerful. And uh, that's why I've got my Air Force guy in here, Bobby Rosa, my producer. Um, so they so they use this jet fuel, emit all this these emissions from the jet fuel, and they use 400 private jets to get to this conference. This is... Um, you think I'm reading out of the Babylon Bee or the Onion, but oh, am I not? This is true story. This is true story. Um, and you, you, that brings up the whole question. If this is an emergency, then why on earth are they emitting all these, um, why are they producing all these emissions to get to this conference only to further exacerbate the alleged problem that we're in? Um, I go on to talk about how during this uh, conference, Conference of the Parties is what it's called, COP26, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson stated this, quote, a red digital clock ticks down remorselessly to a detonation that will end human life as we know it. And we are in roughly the same position, my fellow global leaders, as James Bond today. Except that the tragedy is this is not a movie and the doomsday device is real and the clock is ticking to the furious rhythm of hundreds of billions of pistons and turbines and furnaces and engines with which we are pumping carbon into the air faster and faster, record outputs and quilting the earth in a suffocating blanket of CO2. End quote. That's Boris Johnson, the UK prime minister. But the issue I took with this is that we've heard the doomsday scenarios. We've heard the doomsday predictions before. I've actually played them on the show. I've played Al Gore back 10, even in some instances 20 years ago, claiming a, a an alarming doomsday scenario where the earth just burns up. Talked about it a little bit last week. Well, in this column... I point out that the glaring problem is that people have been claiming a climate change doomsday scenario for decades now, and none of the scenarios have come to pass. In 1969, a New York Times story included comments by Dr. Paul R. Ehrlich in which he said the following regarding climate change. Quote, we must realize that unless we are extremely lucky, 
everybody will disappear in a cloud of blue steam in 20 years. That was predicted in 1969. Well, here we are in 2021, and we're all still here. No blue steam in sight. <laughs> no blue steam in sight. Just blue skies today, by the way. Yeah, so that, I mean, in 1969, the New York Times, they were getting everybody riled up. They were getting everybody stirred up over this climate change hoax. In 1977, Time Magazine predicted another ice age on the horizon by stating this, quote, however widely the weather varies from place to place and time to time, when meteorologists take an average of temperatures around the globe, they find that the atmosphere has been growing gradually cooler for the past three decades. The trend shows no indication of reversing climatological Cassandras are becoming increasingly apprehensive for the weather aberrations they are studying may be on harbinger of another ice age. All right, so get this. In 1977, Time Magazine predicted that we were heading into another ice age, and there is no way to turn it around. Well, fast forward to the 90s and the early 2000s, then they shifted to the Earth is warming. The Earth is warming at an alarming rate, and there is no turning it around. As a matter of fact, the Arctic is going to melt and the ocean levels are going to rise and we're all going to be underwater. <laughs> you see how this goes here? They just go with whatever the climate is doing. If the climate is naturally cooling or the climate is naturally warming, they just go with it and then they attach a political movement to it and they rake in billions of dollars doing this. And, I mean, they're never wrong, right? They're never wrong <laughs> except for they're always wrong. They're always wrong. Um, absolutely stunning that this, this sham has been able to succeed and continue to be, uh, uh, hoisted upon the American people. Fast forward, and we'll end on this, fast forward to 2008. Al Gore predicted that the Arctic would be ice-free within five years of global warming. Another name for climate change. Well, we're in 2021, and there are still historically normal levels of ice in the Arctic. So we went from 1977, the Earth, uh, we're going to go into another ice age. We're going to all freeze to death. Then you hit 2008 and Al Gore saying that everything's going to burn <laughs> and the Arctic's going to melt. So which one is it? All right. Are we heading to another ice age or are we all going to burn? We got to pick one or the other. We can't keep moving the goalpost. But imagine moving the goalpost. I mean, this is what these folks do. Um, I go on to talk about so-called renewable energy sources are what some dub clean energy, but I could make the case that natural gas and coal and other uh, oil is all clean energy, very clean. It comes from God's natural creation, his earth, his planet. Um, but nonetheless, for the sake of discussion here, let's talk about um, so-called clean energy, such as wind and solar. In my column, I note there's nothing wrong with wind and solar. It's actually pretty cool technology. You know, you put a windmill up, and the wind spins it, and you produce energy. That's pretty cool. All you need is the wind blowing. Same thing with solar. You throw up some solar panels, put all your technology together, hook it up to some batteries, and boom, you're storing energy from the sun in batteries that you can use down the road or use tomorrow. But both of those systems rely on the wind blowing and the sun shining. And one of my detractors commented and said, Walker must have never heard of stored energy. Well, yes, I've heard of stored energy. We use it here at our facilities through a UPS uh, backup system. 
uh, through batteries. But the problem is, is that when you use the sun or the wind to supply your batteries, your stored energy, well, let's say you've got five days of stored energy, but the sun doesn't shine for seven days. Well, then you've, after five days, you're out of luck. <laughs> you're waiting on the sun to shine again until you can get your, your power back up and running. So the whole stored energy concept is fascinating. It's brilliant. And, but, but you can't just rely 100% on the sun and the wind because unless you're willing to gamble and be without power for some time, then you can do that. Um, but stored energy from the so-called clean energy sources, uh, they're relying on the sun and the wind. And when those things don't show up, when they don't produce like we would like them to, well, then uh, you're, you're out of luck. Quite literally, you are out of power until the sun decides to shine or the wind decides to blow, which is completely in the hands of Almighty God. Moving on to a few other things. Um, I want to play clip one here. Speaking of energy and America's energy, let's play clip one. This is the energy secretary under President Biden blaming OPEC for America's energy problems. The gas prices, of course, are based upon a global oil market. That oil market is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is OPEC. OPEC controls more than 50% of the petroleum supply and more than 90% of the petroleum reserves. So that cartel has more say about what is going on. Now, on top of it, you've got oil and gas industry that can't flip a switch after coming out of mm -hmm. a pandemic in the same way that you're seeing with the supply chains. The president really is focused on making sure that people have relief and he's looking at all of his tools. But let me just say one thing, that these rising fuel prices in fossil fuels tell us why we've got to double down on diversifying oh. our fuel supply to go for clean. Ah, that's what it is. Let's induce a crisis, an energy crisis, brought about by our own doing <laughs> amen and then let's say we need to go clean we need to go renewable we need to go tesla we need to go batteries wind solar no 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 that's not how it works opec's not a cartel by the way i'm no buddy of opec i don't get a paycheck from opec but we're the problem why because biden is shutting down pipelines biden is shutting down american energy sources and then blaming opec AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the most recent reports provided by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, researchers looked at fertility rates for women of all age groups and ethnicities and found the nationwide rate was 16% lower than what is needed for a population to replace itself. There has been much discussion about the demographic winter in various European countries. Well, that demographic winter has reached the United States. The first command God gave mankind in scripture was be fruitful, but man has the penchant to fancy his own ways over God's. Rejecting God's ways always carries severe consequences. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Balance is a term thrown around a lot by professionals, students, and busy moms alike. That somehow the secret to achieving a manageable and happy life is finding the balance between all the demands calling for our attention. But without the proper context, this quest for balance can become one more thing to achieve, one more stressful box to check, one more space for perfectionism. But order, now there's something we can teach our girls from a young age. Prioritizing God in all things is how we flourish. The world teaches our girls to do all the things, be all the things, prove all the things. But as parents and believers, we must remind our girls, God is above all, knows all, and loves all. It's our job to make Him known. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please, Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Don't forget to check us out on the internet. AFR.net's our website. We have the American Family Radio app up and running. Uh, has been for several years now. We have thousands of users on the American Family Radio app. You can catch AFA at the Core podcast there. Share it with your family and friends. We also have AFA Streaming now, which is our video platform. You can go to streaming.afa.net, create you a free account there, streaming.afa. .net. You can also create a monthly uh, donation to the ministry here and get access to tons more content there on the platform. And we're adding new shows every week on the video platform. And occasionally, uh, maybe once a month or every two months, we're adding new um, Cultural Institute series and other fresh content there on the video platform. So go there and check it out, streaming.afa.net. Well, each year... We talk about Operation Christmas Child, which is a project of Samaritan's Purse National uh, Ministry there um, out of Boone, North Carolina, I believe. We have on the line with us one of their national spokespersons, Vlad Prognevsky, on the line. Uh, Vlad, tell me I got it right, brother. You got it right. It was perfect. (laughs) Better good, than I can say. Good deal. I practiced about twice before you came <laughs> on. Hey, Vlad, tell us a little bit about, before we talk about Operation Christmas Child and the, the shoebox campaign, which my wife and I were participating in. I've got a shoebox at home ready to pack. Uh, tell our listeners a awesome. little bit about your testimony. How did you get connected with Operation Christmas Child? 
Yeah, so I was nine years old when I received a shoebox in Ukraine. I come from a family of nine children, huge family. I was one of the last ones. I have an identical twin brother. But my father was an underground pastor in Kiev, Ukraine, during the Soviet Union. So my father risked his life preaching the gospel on the streets of Kiev at the time when it wasn't popular or allowed. And because my father was a Christian living in communist country, he was hindered from advancing our society. So my father had to settle for low-paying jobs. And every time he was captured and written up, it greatly affected his pay even more. So it got to the point to where we had to take turns to go outside to play because we didn't have enough shoes for everybody in the family. And we also had to share our toothbrushes, which was a humbling experience. And we didn't have access to a lot of toys, uh, but we made our own toys. We made yo-yos out of Coca-Cola caps, and we, we played with our shoes, pretending they were cars. And we grew up on rice and potatoes, which I often jokingly say that uh, we were vegetarians, and we didn't even know it. <laughs> we were vegetarians <laughs> before it was even cool or popular. And we lived in this small, tiny Soviet three-bedroom apartment, 11 people living in, in that place. And my mom had to do all the laundry by hand because of uh, because we didn't have a, a washer and a dryer, so she had to do everything by hand. Mm. And, and so we got very poor on the inside, heavily persecuted on the outside. But in the middle of all that is when we received the shoebox. And uh, we, just to get to the place, we had to hop on the bus and then on the tram in the middle of cold winter. But when we walked into this place, it's like we transitioned from this black and white Ukrainian winter to a colorful, warm room filled with love and happiness. And uh, but most most importantly, they, before they gave us the shoeboxes, they presented the gospel to us. Yes. In so many different and unique ways through singing, dancing, cartoons, movies, animations, flannel boards, puppet shows. It was so effective. And then at the end, they brought out these shoeboxes. And let me tell you, when I open my shoebox, it's like. Everything that I imagined playing with as a child, it's like it manifested inside of a shoebox. I had my own yo-yo. I didn't have to make yo-yos that are cooked full of caps anymore. I had my own toothbrush. I didn't have to share a toothbrush with anybody. I had my own hot wheel cars. I didn't have to play with my shoes, pretend they were cars. I had this bar of soap that was like the whitest white I've ever seen. It was so squeaky clean, <laughs> so slick, so smooth. It had like a print of the dove on top. I call it my Holy Spirit in the box because mm. the whole box smelled like it. It sanctified the whole box for me. And uh, I also had dental floss that I thought was candy, uh, which was pretty pretty interesting. I didn't know what it was. I licked the thing thinking it was candy. I got a lot of it together in a ball, popped it in my mouth. My mouth was just numb from all that floss, all that mint. And it wasn't until years later when I finally found out what it was for. And let's just say I felt pretty silly. So when you pack shoe boxes this year, make sure you still want one of those, you know, just a dental floss or two in, just to confuse a child or two. It's good for him, builds character. <laughs> hey, because uh, technically, go ahead. Sorry. Hey, hey Vlad, this uh, th- what you mentioned early on about how Operation Christmas Child, when you were delivered a shoe box in Ukraine, that you uh, they shared the gospel with yourself and and whoever else was there with you was this like a community center was it a local church where did you get your shoebox what physical location were you at? yes it was i think it was one of those things it used to be like a government building that converted to like a community center and uh and so it was like an outreach event and it was interesting because i saw people from my class walking into this place that didn't believe in god in fact they ridiculed us for for being christians and so this place was filled with people from all walks of life, and it was a very special place because for most of the people there, it was their first time hearing the gospel. And mm. so not only did they get to hear the gospel, but at the same time they got to receive a shoebox with no strings attached. And so, so that's what's so special about receiving such a beautiful gift, because in my country, when somebody gives you a gift, they always expect something in return. It's always conditional. It's always transactional. But here's a gift that was given to to me and everyone else there with no strings attached. And, you know, it does something because I always say that God is love, 
when you show love to people, you show mm-hmm. God to people. When people experience love, they experience God. And once you experience that God's unconditional love, you will not walk away and change. But what's so special about these boxes is that not only do kids get a beautiful gift filled with new toys, school supplies, hygiene items, but most importantly, kids get introduced to the best gift giver, to Jesus. Kids get a mm-hmm. gospel booklet in their own language. Not only that, they're also invited to come participate in a 12-lesson discipleship program where children learn more about who Jesus is, how to have a relationship with Jesus, and how to share Jesus with others. So these shoeboxes, they're more than just gifts. They're gospel opportunities. And I always say, as a father of two kids, I have a, a two boys, five and eight. It, the best way to get to my heart is to my, my children. And so for, a lot of times when these kids receive their shoeboxes, not only it blesses the child, but also the parent. And then that child goes through the discipleship program and gets to know Jesus, comes home, and then shares the gospel with the parents. And the parents are already ready to receive it because they felt that love of, you know, watching their children open up gifts. So they're they're open to the gospel. And then the parents share the gospel with somebody else. It has a huge ripple effect around Around a thousand churches are planted every year because of uh, the shoeboxes. Mm. And since the start of the project, 1993, over uh, 188 million shoebox recipients, uh, people just like me, received one since 1993 in in uh, over 160 countries and territories. So it's a big project. There's a lot of us out there. Yeah, see the shoebox. Yeah, Vlad, I actually went about four years ago. I went to the country of Grenada. Um, and I say the country, wow. I say the country of Grenada because we have a Grenada in Mississippi where I live. So I try not to get people confused. But I went to the country of Grenada and delivered shoeboxes with your team. Uh, uh, so I went cool. with your team to deliver shoeboxes. It was one of those uh, kind of a trial run. It wasn't during uh, uh, the regular Christmas box delivery. It was kind of a trial run down there mm-hmm. to see just to show us how it works. Um, but you mentioned the greatest journey, and this is something that I'm even more excited about. The shoebox is awesome, and I want to encourage our listeners to make sure you pack a shoebox. If you go to SamaritansPurse.org, right there on the homepage, it, you can click Start Packing, and it'll lead you through this entire shoe uh, uh, shoebox packing process. But after, uh, Vlad, after the shoeboxes are delivered, uh, a, a 12-week discipleship program called The Greatest Journey is offered to the community, offered to the people who the children who receive the shoeboxes, Tell our listeners a little bit about that discipleship program. Yes, that's what I'm excited about most, because without the, the gospel, it's just a gift, right? It will wither away. But what's so special about they they go through this uh, the discipleship program called The Greatest Journey. It started in 2009, and since the start of uh, this project, uh, 26.9 million shoebox recipients have participated in The Greatest Journey, with more than 18.7 million graduates and over 12.6 million decisions for Christ. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Wow. This is a discipleship program. It's 12 lessons, 12 weeks long. Children get to get to know more about who Jesus is, how to have a relationship. So it's all about evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. And so children become disciple-makers. They come home and they share the gospel with everybody they know, and uh, it's just a huge ripple effect. It has a huge ripple effect that you wouldn't believe. And uh, so one shoebox touches uh, more than just one child. I can assure you that. Amen. Hey, Vlad, God bless you uh, for the work. Keep it up and hope to have you or one of your other spokespersons back on. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you. All right. There you have it. Uh, Vlad Prognevsky from Samaritan's Purse, Operation Christmas Child National Spokesperson there. Uh, absolutely awesome campaign that we partner with Samaritan's Purse on each year uh, through the Operation Christmas Child Project. And, you know, folks, um, the 
um, you know, a lot of people are, are, are concerned and, and, um, concerned about where Amer- where where the culture is in America, where the church is, uh, where our soul is in America. And th- that's, there's some reason to be concerned there, but this is further proof that God's word does not return void. God's word is spreading around the world like wildfire and people, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are coming to know Christ every year around the world. And it's just amazing to see, Bobby, what God is doing, even in some of these dark places, China, North Korea, uh, the Middle East, um, all around the world, people are coming to know Christ. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, Denise and I have had the privilege of actually packing the shoe boxes into their uh, storage containers uh, being shipped out by truck from the facility in Boone, and you know exactly where the trucks are destined. And once the trucks are full, the uh, driver gives a big uh, horn blowout uh, uh, from the truck, and there's uh, a big resounding applause that, that uh, emanates throughout the warehouse, and it's uh, it's a very, very special feeling. Yeah, very and special. the shoe boxes they're the door uh, into the hearts of these children exactly. and the parents. Exactly. And the shoebox is just the beginning now. But just one tip to our listeners. Please do not get oversized shoeboxes. A run-of-the-mill standard-sized shoebox yeah. is what you're looking for because uh, what happens is those oversized shoeboxes delay the packing process, and we have to wait for special boxes just for those oversized boxes. Yes, shoe boxes. so standard size shoe boxes. And if you go to SamaritansPurse.org right there on the homepage, I'm there now. If you click Start Packing, they give you step-by-step. Step. Uh, find a shoe box. They give you the sizes. You can even pack, uh, purchase shoe boxes from Samaritan's Purse, and they will mail them to you uh, for you to use. So there's a lot of instructions there, all the how-tos there on the SamaritansPurse.org website. Uh, so go there, check it out, partner with your local church to get those shoe boxes out to Operation Christmas Child. Moving on, moving on to a few other topics. I announced, or I didn't announce, I talked about yesterday the Republican National Committee. I mentioned this in passing. I think we were heading into a break. But the Republican National Committee announced this Pride Coalition. That's what they're calling it. And it's a partnership with log cabin Republicans ahead of the midterms. I'll just read a paragraph or two from Fox News. This is where this article came from. The Republican National Committee announced its first ever RNC Pride Coalition over the weekend, partnering with the log cabin Republicans to invest and mobilize LGBTQ communities ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. The announcement came uh, during the log cabin Republican Spirit of Lincoln Gala which took place Saturday night at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, and attracted a high-profile group of attendees, including former President Trump and former First Lady Melania Trump, who was the evening's guest of honor, and other prominent Republicans, including former Acting Director of National Intelligence Rick Grinnell. So I won't go any farther. The RNC Chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, was there as well. Um, here's the problem, and I shouldn't even have to say this, but here's the problem. If you look at the Republican Party platform, there is nothing in there about supporting sexually deviant behavior. 
There is nothing in there about supporting people who choose sexually deviant lifestyles. And so my question is, is why is the Republican National Committee partnering with these log cabin Republicans on this pride garbage? I mean, how does that advance the furtherment of America and the furtherment of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and everything that is in in the Republican Party platform? The answer to that is it doesn't. And I don't know. It's like the the Republican Party has completely lost their moral compass. And I'm talking, folks, I'm talking nationally here. And this this conclusion could apply at the state level, but that's on a state-by-state basis. But at least let's talk nationally. Uh, The Republican Party has lost their moral compass nationally. And that's why when I talk about the, 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 the absolute need for a, a, for a biblical worldview, this is what happens when you don't have a biblical worldview. You have a party such as the Republican National Party that was founded by and built by born-again believers because you look at the Republican Party platform, much of what they believe is aligns with God's word. When you talk about religious freedom, you talk about uh, the the sanctity of human life. Um, you talk about several issues. I uh, talk about individual liberty. Talk about all kinds of issues that align with God's word. And that was because Christians helped write the Republican Party platform, and I know some of them that wrote the latest iteration of the Republican Party platform. But here they are, basically giving. Uh, uh, putting the thumb in the nose of all the born-again Christians, all the evangelical Christians who have helped to keep this party relevant and keep this party afloat by promoting biblical godly values in the party. And here they are partnering with these this log cabin Republican group promoting sexually deviant behavior that is bad from a health standpoint and is definitively bad from a moral, biblical standpoint, and they're partnering with them. This makes me want to say, I'm done with the Republican Party. And this is why I tell our listeners and I tell myself, let's support the candidates. Let's don't support the parties. We're done with this whole party thing. Let's support people who love our country, who love the Constitution, and will fight for biblical values. AFA at the core, we'll be back. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Lord. AFR.net. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming. 
our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA streaming is now available. Learn more at afa.net. Here's a story filled with both tragedy and hope. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Amelia was raised in South Africa, very tragically witnessed the murder-suicide of her own mother and father. The father, a raging alcoholic, would kill the mother before turning the gun on himself. This sent all the siblings in different directions. Amelia ended up with an aunt who did not love her. In fact, forced her into human trafficking, and she would go on to be assaulted by men who never were prosecuted for the crime. Amelia lived with bitter unforgiveness for many years until a Bible League volunteer volunteer introduced her to Jesus and trained her to share Christ with others. And would you know what? 120 Christians have looked upon Amelia and they say, what? I want Jesus. And I tell you what, they live where Bibles are non-existent. So we're asking you today, would you step into the stories of these 120 Christians and others around the world who need the Bible at only $5? Make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. We all have the same problem. This is Ken Ham, author of the eye-opening book, Six Days and Church Compromise. Yesterday, we learned that critical race theory teaches that what's on the outside, our shade of skin, is really all that matters. Those with light skin just can't help being racist, and those with dark skin can't be racist. But the Bible teaches that racism isn't ultimately about skin shade, it's about our sinful heart. Because all have sinned, anyone can be a racist. Prejudice and partiality aren't sins that only some people can commit. Anyone can sin against the Lord and others in this way. Every person has the same ultimate problem, sin. And we all have the same ultimate solution, the Lord Jesus who died for our sin. Find resources to help you build a more biblical worldview at AnswersRadio.com and subscribe to receive free email insights from Ken Ham when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you today. Several other items going on in the news, so we're going to talk about them now. The um, Senator Ron Johnson, who is a hero because he's one of the few senators bold enough, courageous enough to bring... Victims of the jab, people who have had severe adverse reactions to these experimental shots around the country, Senator Ron Johnson had the courage to bring them to Washington, D.C. and conduct a, 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 a summit, if you will. And it wasn't a formal Senate hearing because the rest of the senators wouldn't do it They didn't have enough backbone, didn't have enough courage. But Senator Ron Johnson brought these folks in, these American uh, citizens, these these American uh, workers from all across the country, brought them into D.C. and allowed them to tell their story, tell their testimony about the severe adverse reactions, adverse events that have occurred to them personally. All right. So this isn't this isn't just talking statistics, which we can do all day. These are people who have had their lives drastically impacted as a result of the shot. Um, This is 
a lady by the name of Brian Dressen, and she is uh, testifying before Senator Ron Johnson's ad hoc group about the adverse reaction she had in late 2020 as a result of the shot. Clip four. We're just everyday Americans. We are Republicans, we're Democrats, Libertarians, Independents. For us, this is not political. This is a human issue. I suffered a life-altering reaction to my COVID vaccine on November 4th, 2020, almost a year ago to this day. I suffered a cascade of neurological systems that persisted for months. And while my life has improved, I still feel like I'm being electrocuted 24-7. For the first several months, I was totally alone. I kept my symptoms and my story completely to myself. I thought that this was an isolated incident. But in the spring, I started finding more and more like me. And before we knew it, there were thousands of us, all of us unable to receive medical care, recognition, either from the drug companies, the CDC, the FDA. We all suffered the same constellation of symptoms which is very strange. It's a brand new disease. Nobody knew anything about this. Over 70% of us had had no previous existing health condition. Over 94% of us have not had any problem with any previous vaccine. 98% of us have had all of our previous vaccines. We are not anti-vax. There you have it. We are not anti-vax. She goes uh, a little bit earlier in that clip. She talked about how like 98% of the group of people there at this ad hoc committee or summit or hearing, uh, they've gotten all their previous shots, all these state level approved shots uh, from the different medical agencies around the country. Uh, So these people are not against getting vaccines, the ones that have been studied for decades, but this one that's being experimented on that's still in clinical trials, this one's not cool. It's not the one we're we're in favor of. Uh, so it's not fair, though, she says, to call us anti-vaxxers when that's just completely not true, all right? Completely not true, completely inaccurate, and an unfair uh, assessment of people who are raising legitimate questions, legitimate concerns about these shots. And, you know, the unfortunate thing about this is that the American public hasn't been given enough time to fully assess and to fully uh, consume all of this information. This was all rushed to market uh, by the Trump administration. Um, Out of all of the good things that the Trump administration did, this was probably one of the worst things it did. And what I mean by that is, uh, President Trump and his administration, they were put in this lose-lose scenario. Because if they drug their feet on the shot, then the media and everybody would eat their lunch and say that Trump's dragging his feet on the shot and people are dying. If, if, if the Trump administration rushes through the shot with Operation Warp Speed, well, everybody says, well, thank you for getting it out so fast, but is it safe? Is it effective? And the answer at this point is really uh, being uh, brought to question. And the and when I say that the American public hasn't had enough time to consume this information and assess it, that's because this thing was rushed out. And we the American public, they were told unanimously by the experts to get this shot. But here we are 12 months after deployment, 
after uh, rendering this shot fully safe and effective, here we are now. We're actually getting to look at more clinical data, more studies, and hear from more doctors who disagree with that assessment. Uh, but for many Americans, they've already, they've already been part of the experiment. Uh, they've already submitted themselves to this experiment. Um, so that's what I mean when I say um, uh, the American public never didn't have enough time to fully assess uh, and understand the risk associated with getting the shots. Um, yesterday, I talked about this Pfizer submittal, uh, this FDA briefing, briefing document uh, that has to do with the emergency use authorization amendment request for Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for use in children 5 through 11 years of age. So on page 5, which I posted this yesterday on my podcast page, but on page, page 5, um, this FDA briefing document, they, they admit that in, in parts of the country where there's low incidences of COVID, meaning there's just not a whole lot of, of infection going on, not a lot of community spread, uh, you, could, you could have more children hospitalized suffering from myocarditis than you do suffering from COVID. That's according to the, own, to the very own FDA briefing document. And this is not to mention the ever-changing definition of vaccine. <laughs> I covered it on the show a month ago about how, well, the CDC has just willy-nilly on their own changed the very definition of what vaccination means and what immunity means. On their website, they just went in there and backspaced it all and created a completely different definition of vaccination and immunity to where no longer does immunity mean stopping transmission and rendering one's immune system protected against an illness or a virus, but instead it just means that, it, that, that you, you're, you're less likely to be hospitalized. You're less likely to have a severe case. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what vaccination means. That's not what immunity means. That's not what immunization stands for. But they just willy-nilly go and change in definitions. And so the NBA now, get this, the NBA informed players and coaches that now they must receive a booster shot <laughs> if they want to be considered fully vaccinated. So when I talk about on the show this train ride that never ends and the goalpost that has been pulled up and moved, I don't even know how many times, here we are again, and now the NBA is telling their players that if they don't get the booster, the Johnson & Johnson booster, then they will be considered unvaccinated and they will have to go through the same rigorous testing protocol, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that people who've never had a jab before in their life, uh, at least this COVID jab, have to go through. And you can extrapolate this. You can extrapolate it and apply it to every other scenario we're looking at as a country. You talk about this uh, Department of Labor, this illegal OSHA rule, where they're trying to make companies like American Family Association meddle around into the personal private health decisions of our employees. Well, now, folks, if you've gotten the vaccine, if you've been double jabbed and you've had your full round of shots, well, guess what? Here in about a month or two, you're about to be considered unvaccinated. Israel started it. 
The NBA's following suit, and now the CDC and FDA, they're going to follow suit as well. If you don't get your quarterly shot, you are unvaccinated. That will be the new standard moving forward, mark my word. This is a train ride that will not end unless we bring this train to a stop. And how do we bring this train to a stop? This train ride, we we stop participating. We stop complying. And we simply say, peacefully, lovingly, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I'm not getting the booster every three months. We're not doing the whole mask charade that's unscientific. We're not swabbing each other's noses once a week. That's utterly ridiculous. We're just not doing any of it, all right? So if, if people want to make their own personal decisions to submit themselves to this insanity, well, it's America, all right? But we're not going to force the masses of those of us who still have our head on right to go through the same insanity that the other people want to go through. I go to the grocery store. I go get gas. I go out with my family. If folks want to wear a cloth over their mouth for whatever reason, even though there's no science behind it, but if they just want to do it just because it makes them feel better, well, they can do that. But I'm not going to do it, all right? If people want to get booster, get, get a booster every three months because it makes them feel better, well, get a booster every three months, all right? But I'm not going to do it, and we're not going to force other people to do it. If you want to swab your nose every week to see if you've got COVID, well, do it. You're an American citizen. As long as it's legal where you live, then do it. But I'm not going to do it, and we're not going to force other people to do it. That's the American standard, all right? That's the American standard, and we should all embrace that. You want to know why? Because that's good for everyone. When we have the Bill of Rights, when we have a Constitution, when we have the rule of law that respects the individual and their personal health decisions, then that's good for everyone, all right? That's good for everyone, and that's what we should be pushing for. Uh, Speaking about something being good for everyone, well, the CDC director was before the Senate this week, and uh, Senator Bill Cassidy was questioning the CDC director, Walensky, about how many CDC employees are vaccinated because we're being told 100% of America's got to get the jab. (laughs) And that's good for us. That's what we're told. Well, let's see what's good for the CDC. Let's play clip five. What percent of CDC employees are vaccinated? We're actively encouraging vaccination in all of our employees and doing a lot of education and outreach in order to get our agency fully vaccinated. And the, but the percent? I, I don't have that for you today. Um, I'm, calling, I'm calling a lie. I was going to say something else, but I'm calling a lie. Bobby? There's no way the CDC director doesn't know how many of her agency employees have the shot or don't. Guaranteed she knows. Absolutely she knows. Every department, every agency head has this little cheat sheet that they carry around with them. It's just it's little pocket statistics. You know, I'm tired of these Republican senators in these hearings talking to these directors like they're like they're our king or something. Mm. I mean, she should have had her 
she should have had her lunch stolen. I mean, they, she should have been called out, and Senator Bill Cassie was being Mr. Nice Guy. Mm-hmm. He should have told her, no, ma'am, you're going to answer the question. I'm a U.S. senator, and I'm legally obligated to provide oversight to your agency. You will answer my question. You will answer it right now. And if you don't know, then you get your aide behind you to call your HR department and figure it out. You want to know why she doesn't want to answer that question? Is because we're going to find out that all of the CDC employees don't have the jab. The last number I looked at was a few months ago. And upwards of 15 to 20% of the CDC employees don't have the jab. And so what she doesn't want to admit there on national television is that even her very own agency, which has bought into all of this insanity, even they don't all have the jab. And she didn't want to admit that on national television. And Senator Bill Cassie, he sure did let her get away with it. And then they went into, well, how many people are working remote? And as it turns out, about 70% of the CDC workers are working remote. They're all still working from their house. And, and Senator Bill Cassie went on to say that even some of the laboratory techs, some of the scientists that in order to do their job, they got to show up at a laboratory. Even they're not showing up for work because it's a COVID emergency. Well, you know when the CDC is not fully vaccinated and these major big pharma companies aren't fully vaccinated, that we shouldn't all be considered crazy because we maybe don't want to be a part of the experiment because there's even workers at the CDC who clearly don't want to be a part of the experiment as well. So we should allow all Americans to have the freedom to make their own personal health decisions. How about that? AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. Thanks for joining me today. Check out our website, AFR.net. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.